Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys. I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. Profiting from such a thing as violence and death, that is the wickedness that follows you like a shadow. This is a quote from Helen Mirren as Sarah Winchester in the movie Winchester. This home was under constant construction known as the longest home renovation from 1886 to 1922, almost 24 hours a day. Today, we will be talking about 525 South Winchester Boulevard Boulevard in San Jose, California. And maybe you already guessed it. This is the Winchester Mystery House. I'm super excited. I do know a lot about this house. Um, Just super weird. I know a lot of people kind of go in there for, you know, to solve the puzzle of the house, like find deeper meaning or see if there's treasure in there. But um, I'm really excited to see what information you've gathered today. Yeah, it. Um, so this is a good palate cleanser if you found like The Conjuring or something. If that to you is a more spooky type episode, this one is not. Uh, by all accounts, Sarah Winchester is a pretty awesome woman. So, you know, the what's inside of the walls, I don't think are anything spooky or sinister. She did just leave behind a lot of questions. Um, so yeah, let's get started. So before we get to the Mystery Mansion, it Let's just start at the beginning, who Sarah Winchester was. So she was born Sarah Lockwood Pardee, P-A-R-D-E-E, in New Haven, Connecticut, sometime between 1839 or 1840, depending on the source. Even one source went up to 1845. So, But most are pretty consistent between 1839 and 1840. Don't know her exact birth date. Uh, But she was a bit of a shorty. She was only four foot (laughs) ten inches a bit of a shorty. She is. So I think that's actually the reason why I think that's pertinent information is because she, the, maybe some of the ways that she built the house. Got it. So okay. I think it had to do partly with her tiny little stature. Shorty one at the bottles in the club. That's uh-huh. what I thought of when you said that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> So she was about four foot ten and about a hundred pounds as an adult. Uh, she became fluent in four languages. She was a musician, proficient in math and science. Uh, her family were very open minded. Uh, they surrounded themselves with quote free thinkers and abolitionists. Uh, many of them were also Freemasons, which is another reason why people think she was possibly connected into some secretive type of groups. But all of this really goes into how this shaped Sarah's worldview. Uh, her father made a lot of money by supplying ambulances during the Civil War to the Union Army. Her family also introduced her to William Winchester, whom she married during the time of the Civil War. Both of them were known to be pretty quiet people. They did have one child together named Annie, named after William's late sister. The baby, unfortunately, though, survived less than two months old. Oh, no. She died of a rare disorder where she was basically unable to absorb nutrients. So even though it's not exactly what happened, it's like she starved to death. Oh, my gosh. That has got to be so tragic to watch happen to your child. Yes. I absolutely can't even and don't even want to imagine that. Uh, But Sarah had a lot of tragedy that surrounded her life. This tragedy, though, especially made her more quiet and sort of more of a recluse. Um, She just she didn't go out a whole lot. 
and they did not go on to have any more children. Whether that was by choice or by nature, I don't know, um, but they did not have any more kids. So the Winchester family, they first sold clothing, um, but they were investing in the rifle industry. The Volcanic Repeating Arms Company is where they made their most successful investments. Williams family created the first repeating rifle called the 1873 Winchester Rifle. This is the, quote, gun that won the West. This was uh, Buffalo Bill, Annie Oakley, Teddy Roosevelt all advertised their Winchester rifles. This is where the family became multimillionaires. Multi, multi-millionaires. Many, many times over millionaires. Many, many times. Wait, so her dad supplied ambulances for the war and her husband ends up creating the first Winche- rifle? The Winchester rifle. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So 1880, Papa Winchester passed away. That's Oliver Winchester, father to... Her father-in-law, Sarah's father-in-law, Oliver Winchester, and a lot of that wealth went to William. This was clearly a huge loss for the family, and unfortunately, only three months after his father passed away, at age 43, William Winchester died of tuberculosis, also known as consumption. Sarah and William were married for 15 years. Sarah did inherit uh, her husband's side of that um, fortune, which was back then $20 million. Today, that's $580 million. Oh my goodness. And half of the stocks, which yielded her $1,000 a day, which is approximately $29,000 today. Wow. Like, I I do know part of this story, and I know her life's been surrounded by tragedy, but, like, no amount of money can fill that hole. So now I'm just thinking of, it makes so much sense why she kept working on the house. Like, it's something to do. I mean, I know you'll go into it, but. Yeah. Well, and we, I mean, we're going to talk about it. It's it's mysterious as to why she did it for 38 years, but I, I think she truly just enjoyed making things. Yeah. And putting her stamp of uniqueness on it. Yeah. So Sarah had a lot of loss in her life. One of her sisters had already passed away, her father-in-law, now husband, her daughter. But William Winchester's death made her one of the richest women in the world at the time. Now, allegedly, she started seeing a medium after his passing. So this is another part of the story that we really can't prove. um, But people say that she went to see a medium medium, I'm sorry, that went to warn her that she would forever be haunted by people that died of the hands of the Winchester rifle so that she needed to constantly occupy herself with projects and to build a house. Oh, that's news you don't want to hear from a medium. Right? That's, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of lives. So that's a heavy weight to bear. So I'm going to be completely honest with you. It just really depends on the source you look at. There's a lot of legends about Sarah Winchester and people just trying to explain why she made the choices that she did with this house. Because it is, a, I mean, it's a crazy, beautiful house. It's got so many oddities inside that I think people think it just makes sense that you know, she might have felt guilt over the Winchester rifle. So maybe a medium did tell her that and she felt like she had to keep building. It was a part of her mortality. Lots of legends look at this like she was a mad woman and this is her monument of madness. I don't believe that. I feel like she could, it could be a little bit of both. Like she probably did go a little mad because she lost her husband and child and probably had to like watch them both die. I feel like that takes a huge... Oh, yeah. Toll. I mean, I just... I mean, you do. Both of those deaths were slow. I mean, her daughter had to have been dying for about six weeks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, she probably is a little mad. And And then same thing with her husband. I mean, he was sick with tuberculosis for a long time before he actually succumbed to it. Yeah. 
And then that weight added weight of, you know, whether you believe in gun use or not, regardless, the family did make those guns. And you do think about who all is killed by these weapons that we create because of war. Right, right, exactly. So what do we know? Um, she was a spiritualist. She was interested in the occult, but she was also very private. So we don't know how much she believed in these things, how much she practiced these things. So just keep that in mind. But this is why it's called the Winchester Mystery House. Well, wasn't she pretty much in solitude? Like, did she have any close friends or anybody that's mentioned? In- she has sisters. Okay. And she, so when she moves to California, and this is where they like, was it a medium that told her to do this? Um, She also could have been told by a doctor or maybe just on her own. She just decided to move out West because this time in California, California was considered pretty magical because you go into the late 1840s, early 1950s. I'm going to say this again here in just a few minutes, but it's the time of the gold rush. And so Mm -hmm. there's just like lots of stories about the riches of California. I don't think she was going there to get rich. She might have just been going out there. Her sisters were out there. She has bad arthritis, so maybe she went there for the weather because in Connecticut, it gets a hell of a lot colder than it does in San Jose. Yeah. So there there were lots of reasons for her to go there. And a, a big part of that is maybe just not wanting to be surrounded by the tragedy that you've just gone through over the last several years. Yeah. A little change of pace. Yeah. Do one wonders. So some of this is lore. We don't, we'll never know the exact truth. Um, So she stayed in New Haven for a little while longer after the death of her husband. Then she makes her way to San Jose. Um, And she, like I said, her sisters were there. Uh, She first moved to San Francisco, but according to insider.com, moved to Santa Clara Valley because the weather there was just better for her arthritis. The home was a 40-acre piece of land with a farmhouse on it. She named the home Yanada Villa. Now, we think this had some special meaning to Sarah, maybe something between her and William Winchester, but the translation of that is house on flat land. So... Uh, nothing about that sounds it's far less uh, beautiful and poetic than i thought it was going to mean (laughs) yeah house on flat land that's it cool name regardless it was an eight-room farmhouse and this is where our story begins so sarah's intention was to renovate this home and expand it in hopes that her three sisters would move in uh they did not end up living with her it was a little too secluded for them Now, one of her nieces did live with her for an extended period of time, like for years. So she was not completely alone. And um, I know you were already worried about her well-being in this giant mansion by herself. Yes. Uh, She did have people come in and out, you know, throughout her life in that house. And she was known to visit her sisters and her sisters would come and visit her too. Well, that's good. And, you know, it's about 160 bedrooms, so I hope some people came and Holy stayed every hell, now and then. that's so much. Yeah, I know, <laughs> so much. I, I know it doesn't look like the house in The Haunting, but that's, like, what I'm thinking of, just those massive hallways. Oh, yeah. Just, like, door It definitely after does door not look like door. that. Yeah, that looked very, like, gothic and... Yeah, completely well. different styles, I'll tell you that right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, she went on with the project anyway, knowing her sisters weren't going to come live with her. Uh, She would meet with the foreman every morning to discuss plans for the day. And according to the stories, Sarah would first thing in the morning go to her seance room and discuss with the spirits what to do with the house. Again, there was a seance room. What she did inside of it was completely private. Only she had the key to get inside. Um, These spirits... According to the legends, were not just regular spirits. They weren't spirits of the house or spirits of the land. They were spirits of those that were killed by the Winchester rifle. 
The story says she was trying to appease those spirits. And every day, the amount of spirits would grow, as would the home. So the seance room itself is a really interesting space. Um, It's basically, it's in the middle of the house. It's kind of the heart of the home. Only Sarah had the key to it, so no one truly knows whatever happened in that room. Um, But we know that Wicca or spiritualism were not an uncommon practice. They weren't for the time, and they weren't, that wouldn't have been a weird thing for Sarah to do. And we also know that she was considered very progressive and individualistic. She could easily have practiced anything other than Christianity. I mean, with a woman of her status, it really wouldn't have mattered. So the seance room had one entrance, but three exits which might sound weird. How could that be? So one door open to a drop that went directly down to the kitchen sink. So it's an emergency exit, maybe? That's when you would go jump into the kitchen sink, but it's not a door. You're certainly not entering it that way. This coffee's cold. Dump it down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's what it was for. Maybe so. And one door had a doorknob on the inside of the seance room, but not the other side, so you could not re-enter. Interesting. So... The only actual entrance and exit was the one door that only Sarah had the key for. So again, I'm going to emphasize this a few times. She valued her privacy. So we don't know everything. And she has now been dead for 100 years. At this point, I'm not sure what you can prove and disprove about Sarah Winchester. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, but she'd definitely be somebody I would love to have coffee with if you have to choose, you know, oh, yeah, she's a live person to pick. Yeah. Um, Sarah welcomed anyone of any race to work into her home, uh, which is especially unusual for the 1800s. She even had a main gardener that was Japanese-American. He even gave one of his daughters the middle name Winchester. This was especially unusual because racial tensions were high post-Civil War, but in California, much of the racism was geared towards Asian-Americans, especially East Asian-Americans, Chinese, Japanese... Uh, Because there was a lot of immigrants coming over from those regions to California. California being the nearest port. They would just cross the Pacific and come in that way. So give me a moment here to sort of paint a picture of the time. Because it really puts into perspective how awesome Sarah uh, Oh my gosh. Sarah Winchester really was. So during the gold rush between 1848 and the early 1850s. Many, many people, Americans and immigrants, flooded California in hopes of making it rich. So California especially had a bustling Asian population. So of course, when white Americans were there, there were some clashes. The Chinese Exclusion Act was passed in 1882, which really furthered racial tensions between white Americans and Asian immigrants. This act was to bar Chinese laborers from coming to the U.S. It limited immigration to those that already had family here and prevented Chinese immigrants from being able to become naturalized citizens. So I'm stating this not as my opinion, but just a fact that happened. Americans saw very little difference between Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, or really any East Asian country. So even though the Chinese Exclusion Act pertained to mass immigrants coming from China, that still continued and supported discrimination towards anyone that even looked Chinese. So this was our first and really only federal legislation that uh, banned a specific nationality, which unfortunately lasted until 1943. Oh, I didn't know it was up until 1943. Well. So fucked up. And I won't put you on the spot here, but something pretty major happened in the 1940s that shifted tension away from China and put it towards Japan. Um, Oh, yeah. And that would be the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Yes, yes. So China at the time was an ally to the Americans and Japan was an enemy. So we basically flipped. We became 
pro-Chinese, anti-Japanese, which then led to the Japanese internment camps in the United States. But again, Chinese Americans were still under the watchful eye of many Americans. They look similar to Japanese, and it just it caused further discrimination. Side note, if you ever wanted to read a sweet story about this time period, I highly recommend the book Hotel at the Corner of Bitter and Sweet. It's a great historical fiction novel about a Chinese boy that befriends a Japanese girl and they get torn apart uh, when she has to go live in the internment camp. They come to find each other years later, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But it's a it's a really cute book. I'm already moved. It's a really good book. Oh. I might have it. You can borrow it. Sweet. Um, okay, so back to the story. That's kind of what's going on at the time. So Sarah was progressive in many ways, but she was also crazy generous. Sarah employed about 13 laborers at a time and paid them over the usual rate, sometimes up to three times as much the usual rate. Oh, that's amazing. She would also buy her workers homes so that they could come with their families and not have to travel far, which again, another troubling consequence of the Chinese Exclusion Act. Many families are, of course, just being torn apart. And another one of her acts of generosity was to create a consumption clinic which, again, tuberculosis. It was for tuberculosis victims, and she instructed anyone of any race and any socioeconomic status was coming there and allowed to receive treatment. So she was pretty amazing, like I said. Yeah, she, she was, sounds so amazing. Just She grew up in the right kind of family with the right kind of values. Yeah, if, so every, I, if more people were like her, our world would just be totally different. Or yes, a lot loving of and accepting yes. to just... To anybody. I don't understand why you can't be. Agreed. So, the home itself uh, had its own gas manufacturing plant and water tower. It's interesting because it was pretty self-sustaining since it manufactured its own water and gas. There were orchards to provide fruit. And she was pretty much ahead of her time. Unhingedhistorian.com said that she was... Unhinged historian. Un- unhingedhistorian.com. <laughs> uh, she was ahead of her time with conservation and sustainability. So that is also, again, pretty amazing. So the laundry room had both hot and cold water, which was unique for the time. Again, we're in the 1800s here. The home is most famous, though, for its oddities. Throughout the house, there are staircases that lead to nowhere. One upper level door opens directly to the outside where you would just fall off. It has a 12 foot drop. It's literally called the door to nowhere. Um, there Has are, anyone died falling off of that? I don't think so. Well, it's good. I actually, I don't think you would die 12 feet unless you just like fell just that particular way. way. Yeah, it's up. Yeah, it's on, I think it's on the second, maybe. No, it's got to be the second story. Okay. Unless there's like four foot tall ceilings. That's the second story. That's what I always wonder about her though. Like, did she have a plan to continue on with that? Or is she just like, (laughs) I like this little trick. I'm going to put that here. That we will never know. I know. There are 52 skylights. There is a cabinet that leads to 30 more rooms. So that right there, I look at it when skeptics of Sarah Winchester are like, no, she was just an unexperienced architect and she these were just her building mistakes. A cabinet leading to 30 more rooms is not a building mistake. Like that's that's intentional. Yeah. That's Now that's was she trying to a whole new world? It's like right? the inspiration for Lion Witch and Wardrobe. You're right. So Was she doing it to confuse spirits? Maybe, I'm not to say, but these oddities and little eccentricities, to me, had to be placed in this home on purpose. Agreed. We're just not going to understand or know what that purpose was, and we don't have to. That was kind of her legacy that she left behind. So other oddities of the home, there were stairs just inches apart. 
um, which is clearly a tripping hazard. And one set of those stairs, at least, like we said, goes to nowhere. It just goes up to the next floor and then stops. There's one skylight in the floor, winding hallways to get lost in. In fact, when groundkeepers go around with the dogs, um, some of the dogs just growl and stare down the hallways and won't go down them. You know that's like a thing I hate the most. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's I literally put that in here that we're dog people. Uh, between the two of us, there are six dogs. I won't tell you how many dogs each of us have. Um, but there are six dogs between me and Lainey. And dogs have a sixth sense. And they can see things that are that you can't see. The home also has 2,000 doors, 10,000 windows. A hundred of those windows are beautiful stained glass windows. All completely different designs, but all very similar types of windows. Um, one of those windows is actually inside of the house, meaning like it's not... It's a window to another room, not to outside. Exactly. It, it's not an exterior window. At the time, it costs $1,500. No natural light comes through it. Today, that window is still in the house. That, in today's money, is $40,000 she spent on that window. Wow. Wildly expensive. Something our grandma Ruth would do, though. I feel like she was a collector of fine, expensive pieces with, like, no true home to go to. Yeah. It's like like an antique store. (laughs) She did seem like she owned an antique store. (laughs) Yes. For sure. There are 47 stairways and 47 fireplaces, only 17 chimneys, which I thought was a little bit weird mathematically, but I'm thinking some of these fireplaces are connected together and they share a chimney, or maybe there's a couple that are inoperable, uh, but that was that was just me. But Santa's confused every Christmas. I, which one does he go down? <laughs> there are 13 bathrooms, six kitchens, and we actually don't know how many bedrooms because some of them are actually blocked off. And by that, I mean like literally some bedrooms just got walled up and we don't know what's behind them. We estimate there's 160 bedrooms. There is no master plan and no blueprint of the home, and there never was. Uh, So it's fascinating. We're just, unless we go and, like, start knocking down walls, we're just never going to know everything that that house holds. And she died 100 years ago, so, like, we've had time to to look and check and see what's there. A ton of famous architects have already been through the house to try to map it out themselves and yeah it's fascinating she started without a plan and she ended without a plan um another oddity of the home is the numbers used so she definitely took a liking to prime numbers 7 11 and 13 are the most common which again sort of lines up with her being into the occult she had 13 laborers at a time there are 13 bathrooms the 13th bathroom has 13 windows her will had 13 parts signed 13 times her seance room had 13 hooks for hats which i'm sorry i went in there thinking like cartoonish like does she walk in with 13 hats and need 13 hooks (laughs) for all of her hats you also see those same prime numbers and the number of steps or railings windows floors floor and wall piano panels not pianos i'm sorry lights in the chandelier in one of the top floor rooms, there is a space called the witch's cap because literally it looks like you're in the si- inside That's of a cool. witch's hat. Uh, people believe this room houses the most amount of spirits because of its shape. Like its shape just holds more it spirits. It looks like a or, witch's hat, so it must contain the spirits. Yes, it must. You know, are witches really related to spirits, though? I don't know. I don't know. I think we relate the two of them, but... Do witches believe in ghosts? I don't know. Yeah, I think they're they're witches who have powers. It's just as unexplainable as a ghost being in your room. 
Yeah. So, so the, the file of unexplainable sorry didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, you're fine. What? Just keep going. Okay. (laughs) So the home opens to the carriage room, which is basically like her garage. Uh, The person operating the carriage would just go directly into the carriage room from outside, so it would keep her from getting wet in the rain. Near the carriage room is a staircase that has 44 steps and seven turns before you get to the second floor. So seven turns and 44 steps just to get to the second floor. That's a lot. Yes. This is a questionable choice. Why would she do this? Again, people say she was trying to confuse ghosts, make it complicated to get to the second story. Another one can explain it by saying this was for her arthritis. 44 steps just meant smaller steps. And it would take her Mm. little baby footsteps to get up there. So that way she wouldn't have to, you know, use her knees and stuff as much. She also had one of the first homes that was equipped with an elevator. And I believe she ended up with three elevators. Oh, cool. There are multiple conservatories. She added these because she loved plants and kept many in the conservatories. Uh, The first conservatory, you'll then be led to what they call the Hall of Fires. There are three smaller spaced areas separated by curtains. In this space, there are three hot air vents and four fireplaces. Interesting. Now, we don't know its specific use, but we think that it was sort of like a sauna for Sarah to help with her arthritis. It would help ease the pain. Also, due to Sarah's love and appreciation for other cultures, there's definitely an eclectic vibe. She kept artifacts and decor of multiple cultures, but many of them were Asian-themed, especially Japanese. So along with six kitchens, there were three dining rooms. The largest room in the home is the ballroom. Now, I'm a little bit confused about this space because all the pictures I looked at it did not look like a large space. So it was kind of weird when it said it was the biggest room in the house. Doesn't it look like a, like a sitting room? It doesn't have a yeah. fireplace and it, it doesn't look ballroom-esque when you think yeah, of ballroom. Yeah, it's not like a grand ballroom. It, it, so the ceilings are 12 feet high. So, I mean, I guess you have a reasonable height ceiling, but not grand. All right. I could have called my last apartment a ballroom then because I had <laughs> 12 foot ceilings. <laughs> Now Um, I have hobbit ceilings. Yeah, so now there's 12-foot ceilings, a large fireplace, and an organ. Because, like, what rager isn't going to begin with an organ playing? Yeah. So, again, from unhinged historian, the ballroom in the Winchester is used as inspiration for Disney's Haunted Mansion ballroom. Which I think was expanded bigger to not look like so much like a sitting room. Because I agree, this room had more of a sitting room vibe, vibe minus the seats. There just wasn't a lot of sitting space. Yeah. So the ballroom has two stained glass windows, each of them with quotes from Shakespeare. So the first one says, these same thoughts people this little world. And I feel like I'm not reading that right because every time I read it, it makes no sense to me. Uh, But this quote comes from Shakespeare's Richard II. The king was deposed as king and was trying to create a world within his cell using only his imagination, which I did find interesting. I found the quote a little bit weird, like just taking that one line. Mm -hmm. But it does kind of make you think, is that what Sarah was doing? Like bringing her imagination to life with this house? Or am I just trying to attach myself to some sort of clue to understand Sarah? Maybe that's, that's all that is. I mean, I think, yeah, I think there's so many things. She could have had OCD, like with the use of the numbers. She could have, there could have been a lot of things. And she also could have just wanted to screw with people in the future. I <laughs> just like, seriously, I a part of me thinks that, this is. yeah, I think a part of her just had a personality 
Mm-hmm. She had a sense of humor, and that's what we're living with now. Is like we're trying to dissect these little things. Like, what did she mean? Why would she choose that? But maybe she just chose a random ass quote. She liked Shakespeare. Yeah. So she was a fan, but maybe she just chose something that really had nothing to do with the actual space. So the other window says from a completely different piece of work, wide unclasped tables of their thoughts. So this comes from a scene where the character Ulysses and Troilus and Cressida, Cressida, yeah, is basically calling a girl a slut. So this is even more puzzling. Um, This almost makes me think that Sarah, again, just had a sense of humor because that has to be the most random quote. Yeah, that is extremely random. Wide unclasp the tables of their thoughts. And literally, I think the next line or the line right before it was him calling uh, Cressida a slut. Interesting. So, again, Sarah, I want to know. So, is this home a puzzle? Is it a secret encryption? Was she a part of some secret group? Was this for the spirits? Let's talk about a couple of those theories. So, one theory simply states that she was the main architect with no experience, and these were just a bunch of house mistakes. No one fully understands her whether her choices were intentional or not, whether they were mistakes or they were just changes of the heart. Again, it's a mystery. And I don't like anybody trying to explain it to me definitively because you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. I like to think she's an artist and there's a lot of art out there that people just look at differently, have totally opposite views on what one piece might mean or do. And I think she was an artist. Yeah, like this was her life's work, and I think she had fun with it. Um, So one alternative theory says that this was, in fact, a puzzle or encryption because she was associated with the Freemasons. So this theory suggests that because of her elevated status, she could have been welcomed into the Freemason lodges in Europe, which there was evidence that between Sarah's time in New Haven and San Jose, that she was in Europe for maybe even a couple of years. So they believe that she could have been at the free Masonic lodges where she would have been immersed in the world of code and encryptions. So some of her odd choices are similar to Freemason symbols and I, I don't know, in Freemason literature, I don't really know like Freemason literature specifically, but yeah. And then one other more positive theory is that due to the horrible economic climate of the time, Maybe she was just trying to create jobs for people and she was just very kind. And this was 38 years of providing jobs to people. I love that theory. I think there is an element of that. And then, of course, going back to she was a spiritualist of some kind. We don't know how hardcore she was or not. I don't know that she specifically went and talked to spirits or not. I think that element, though, did play an actual role. Yes, I I will agree with that. Again, these are opinions by Ashley and Lainey. I'm not sharing that as fact. We know she made some eccentric choices. That's a fact. But she did this for 38 years. Nobody, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm in real estate. Nobody likes construction being done on their house. Yeah. You always want it to be done with. You want the finished product. You don't want the ongoing. So the fact that it was 38 years of ongoing construction is just kind of bonkers. And that had to be because she had a need for it. She had a love for it. I mean, there was something there. There's also that feeling she, she probably was lonely at some points. Like, she probably liked hearing things around the house. Yeah, and it was day and night. Yeah. It was constant construction. So, yeah. Again, I'm like, I would hate that, you know? Your neighbor that yeah. starts construction at, like, 7.30 in the morning, and oh you hear gosh. the sound of a saw 
And I'm like, oh my God, to think that that would be 24 hours a day in my own house. Now, this house ends up being massive. So probably did get to a point where she didn't hear it as much. Yeah, I guess you do get used to it. Um, Our dad builds beautiful things. He's always building something. But yeah, he'll live in his house and build around them for years. And it's chaos, but you know, they're fine with it. Well, they're fine with it. I'm st- I would still use that. Uh, I think we're using that loosely. I think they definitely wish it was it. done. Yeah, I think <laughs> they just deal with it. Um, so rumors didn't just spread about her after her death, but while she was very much alive, there was a lot of talk of this mysterious woman. So February 1895, an article came out in the San Francisco Chronicle that basically started the legend of her running from spirits. So one of the quotes was, "The sounds of hammer. The sounds of the hammer is never hushed." The reason for it is in Mrs. Winchester's belief that the, the, that when the house is entirely finished, she will die. So they don't just talk about the spirits, but it relates. they relate the house to her mortality. And that really starts this mysterious legend of Sarah Winchester. The article was not really based on fact. They didn't interview her to, to, to get her to say that, oh, I, when this house is done, I'm dead. That did, in fact, happen. I'm, construction went until the day she died. But... This article didn't didn't get this from her anyway. Interesting. Yeah. So 1906, there was a natural disaster, the Great San Francisco Earthquake, which did take out parts of the home, including the seventh the seventh story tower. Sarah at the time was in the Daisy Room. She was completely unharmed, but all of her surroundings were caved in. The workers had to dig her out. What's wild? is they just quarantined off the rooms that got damaged. They didn't renovate them. They didn't fully remove all of those rooms. They did remove some of them, but they just walled it up. So no one knows what's like inside those spaces. The Daisy Room, where Sarah was at the time, was only discovered or rediscovered or uncovered, however you want to say that, Um, in 2016. They were doing some excavating, and they vaguely knew, knew of its existence, but they found it in 2016. Wow, that's nuts. Again, you just don't know. I mean, they're like you could be looking at windows into the house to an area that's completely covered up that no one's ever been inside or yeah. no one's been inside it for over 100 years. I wonder if she had any like feeling of loss that some of those rooms were ruined or if she was just like, Meh, all right, board them up. Let's move on, people. Chop, chop. Yeah. <laughs> So they never replaced the seventh story tower. We know that they just closed up some of the rooms. At this point, she did decide to keep the house under four stories. The fourth story is a balcony. Um, So she did basically remove or board up floors five through seven. Like the whole fourth floor is a balcony? Or if you go up to the fourth floor, like part of it's a balcony. I don't think it's a full balcony. If you look at the house, it's very choppy. It's It's not like one giant flat Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I've I've definitely seen the house. So I don't think the fourth floor has any actual room. So really, the inside space is three stories. Okay. So September 5th, 1922, Sarah Winchester passed away in the mystery house. Specifically, she died in the master bedroom of heart failure. She was 82 years young. Now, when she died, there were spaces unfinished. Because like I said, construction was going to continue on, I guess, until the day she died. So today, if you go and tour a home, you still see those unfinished spaces that were in the midst of being worked on. I mean, construction, literally, they put their hammers down the day she died. And these are just shells of spaces that she was in the midst of creating. No one knew what they were going to be for. So nuts. And I bet that was 
just like extreme loss for all of those people involved because it's like a their incomes immediately shut off. Yeah. Life as they knew it, it's shut off if she bought all their homes and provided work. Yeah, and I, I don't know how she worked out her will with workers and stuff like that. I mean, I wouldn't put it past her that she paid them for a certain amount of time after she passed away. I don't know. That would be something interesting to look up. But there were never any blueprints or anything, so nobody knows what those spaces were going to be for. So this is a little bit of a side note, but this to me was so reminiscent of the H.H. Holmes story, which is already slated to be covered, so don't worry. But he built his murder hotel without any blueprints, and none of the builders even knew the layout of the hotel. So I am not saying they are similar types of people, okay, because by all accounts, Sarah Winchester is kind and generous, and H.H. Holmes is a murderous loser, but they have very similar architectural habits to kind of go in it without a plan. Yeah. Which is is not very architecty. It's not. It kind of defies all architecture. So when Sarah passed away, she did leave uh, a lot of her money to her niece, Daisy, but she did not leave an heir to the home, which is interesting. And I really wonder why she did that. She is an intelligent woman. So I imagine that leaving it without an heir was her intention. Uh, Her trustee was Union Trust Company. Uh, They were in charge of selling the home. So like I said, she had a will. It was all signed. She knew exactly what she was doing. Again, we just don't know why she did the things she did. She's just so cool. But I think that this was always in the back of her mind. She made interesting and unexplainable choices. And then she was going to leave her home. Whether she knew it was going to end up public or not, I don't know. But she knew it was going to go to somebody. Somebody was going to buy it, whatever. But she was smart, and she could have left the home to her niece, to her family. I mean, this was essentially her life's work. It wasn't her whole life. It was half of her life, though. And she allowed it to be sold and made public. And a part of her legacy is the mystery that she left behind. And she leaves us all with our heads scratching. So I don't think that was a coincidence. I think that she did that on purpose. Yeah, I agree. I think she's just fascinating, and we're never going to know. So the home was sold to a real estate developer. He purchased the property with plans to subdivide the land. John Brown came along, and he was only interested in the plot of land with the mansion. So uh, she died in 1922, 1923. He got a 10-year lease with the option to purchase. He had big plans to create an amusement park. Literally, he wanted a roller coaster. Like, go. I'm guessing going. Yeah, it had to have gone through the house because he only had any authority over the house. He didn't want like the land portion of it. Yeah. So, so thank he just you. wanted one big coaster? I don't know where it would have gone in the house, but thank you zoning laws of San Jose uh, prevented him from being able to create this travesty to an architectural marvel. So. Yeah, and it seems like after a couple of years of running tracks, it, it, the house would slowly fall apart. Yeah, so that didn't end up happening, but public demand was really high to view this home, so John Brown decided instead to do tours on the house. So instead of an amusement park, he decided to market this as a haunted house. So June 30th, 1923, the doors opened to the public. Halloween 1924, Harry Houdini visited the home with the intent to debunk the haunted house theory. Weirdly, again, this is another like weird one because we were just talking about like witches believing in ghosts. Mm -hmm. He's a magician. And I'm not saying magic and ghosts go together, but it's like as a magician, I'm not saying you believe in magic. You're really good at fooling people. Yeah. But... Maybe that's what makes you a skeptic in ghosts, because he went there trying to prove it was not a haunted house. Interesting. 
So anyway, he went there with two other magicians and the publication said that he left with more questions than answers. He, Harry Houdini, helped to create the name Winchester Mystery House. That's what he dubbed it and that's where the house got its name. Way to go, Houdini. So didn't Houdini's wife do a a seance for him after he died? She did. And that's what's funny is like it was a total contradiction to Houdini's beliefs. Interesting. But I don't think she she got anything, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. He was supposed to perform like a magic trick or something. He like probably if he showed came up back. and he's like, "I'm not going to say anything because I want people to not believe in this." <laughs> I spent my whole life trying to debunk this. Stand my ground. So today, the bell tower rings on the anniversary of Sarah's death, September fifth, and every Friday the thirteenth again because oh, she loved cool. that number thirteen. A former producer from Disney was hired in 2019 to make the property magical during spooky season. They created the Unhinged show, which I feel like I've said Unhinged a lot because I've talked about Unhinged history and now this thing is called Unhinged. Um, They did this. Don't go unhinged yourself. (laughs) Remember when I thought you were on a dating app called Unhinged? Yes. Oh my gosh. The Hinge dating app. I was like, why are you on a dating app called Unhinge? You're attracting crazy people. I'm trying to find my crazy lover. (laughs) So they created the Unhinge show in 2019. They then took a two year COVID vacation and then they started it back up last year, 2022. So it's supposed to be a paranormal thriller with a theatrical show. It's the after dark experience. They only do it once the sun sets. I think they'll do it again this year. Uh, Sounds pretty amazing. Also, sometimes the Winchester Mansion can also be rented out for weddings. Big question, is the Winchester Mansion haunted? Well, of course people think it's haunted. Good news is, is that it is not known to have any malicious ghosts outside of the dog growling down the hallways. Mm -hmm. You really don't hear of anybody having any experiences. Um, Dogs can growl at Good ghosts, too. So Right, and I mean, my dogs something. just growl at each other, and one of my dogs that's almost 14, he growls in play, so yeah. <laughs> it just it's very confusing. So, in my opinion, because Sarah was a generous person and employer, many of the ghosts are also kind and just minding their own business. So one of the famous ghosts is known as the wheelbarrow ghost. I don't like that name. Well, it's just because that he's carrying around a wheelbarrow, not like... What's in the wheelbarrow? What's the... He probably worked, like, laying bricks or something, and so he was in and out of the house with a wheelbarrow. That's it. Not carrying carrying dead bodies. No, I know that's what you're thinking. (laughs) Like, there were a bunch of, like, decapitated heads inside of it. No. Yeah. That's not it. Um, They see him sometimes in the basement or the ballroom tending to the fireplace. Of course, it's also believed that Sarah Winchester haunts the home and that she still watches over it. People have claimed that... They can feel her, like, hand on their shoulder or, like, caressing their head or their face or something like that. And it's... (laughs) What? Somebody caressing my head out of the blue. Just... (laughs) Yeah, a little head massage. That's just your old girl, Sarah. Uh, One of the most common reports are footsteps that are nearby, and there's nobody there except yourself. Uh, The property maintenance manager has reported footsteps frequently... And there's nobody around. Um, Like I said, very few reports have ever come in that this is a malicious space or that there's angry spirits in the house. 
Sarah was a positive vibes only kind of gal. And I think that that's what people say that they feel when they walk in. And psychics have even agreed with this assessment. They go in the house. They don't feel anything amiss. Got it. In 1970 home. 1974, the home was officially a landmark. So if you're in San Jose, don't miss your opportunity to check out this amazing property. Because it's a landmark, it's, you know, free from, I get being disrespected, I guess, is the best yeah. The best thing I think of it. You know, they're not just going to sell it and overhaul it and, you know, modernize it in some way that it shouldn't be modernized. Yeah, for sure. Um, I hope it stays sort of frozen in its state of how Sarah left it. Yeah. It's an amazing, an amazing space that she just completely made her own. It's so unique. It's so beautiful. And I don't even think I said this. Uh, the the style of house is like a queen, I think they call it a queen Victorian type style. Yeah. It's not something uh, you see very often here in Texas, even a little bit. So anyway, go check it out. Lainey, what are your thoughts? Was she eccentric? Was she mad? Did she have a sense of humor? Were these think, building mistakes? I think it's all of the above. I really don't think it's building mistakes. Um I think she just, she probably didn't want to have somebody telling her what to do, like another architect. Um, I think she could, she could have had some mental issues, not, nothing too heavy. She could just have OCD or she could have had, I, I don't know. I don't want to say anything um, that's not accurate, but I think she is eccentric. I do think she's an artist. I think she needed something to occupy her time. And I mean, that. 38 years working on a house it's her longest commitment to anything so i just i think it's all of the above yeah no i agree and and i think that she intentionally left behind this sort of mysterious yeah just what was the word i'm looking i'm having a it's, it's hard like, time thinking it's like of words. a puzzle i mean it's she's leaving by this but not meant to be solved correct let me make my choices and you can walk around scratching your head wondering why i did what i did but hopefully she had fun doing it and she enjoyed her life. I hope she did. I do, too. She seems awesome. I love that she just was so caring to other people in a time when the world is so racist. Um, that I love because it's such a ugly time. There are, there are so many ugly times in our history and in, in, in any country's history. But, yeah, yeah that there is a light walking around in the world at the time is a comforting thought. Absolutely. I agree. And on that note... You go out there and you be a light to others. Be a good human and not a douchebag. You almost sounded like Sunny 99.1. Sunny 99.1. You'd be a light to others. Be a light. <laughs> and that's my advice for you today. Well, thank you. I appreciated that story. Very cool. So, little palate cleanser. Next week, we'll be going into a bit of a, a darker hole at the... Uh, Hotel Cecil. So, ooh, it's creepy. It's dark. It's old Hollywood. So come back for that episode because it's not going to be Chipper Sarah Winchester. It's going to be dark, spooky, mysterious Hollywood. Well, I love a dark hole, but that is California two <laughs> weeks in a row. All right, all right, and we'll talk to you later. And we hope you keep listening. And check us out at haunted.real.estate on the gram. 
and email us your weird real estate story or suggestions you have for the pod at hauntedrepod at gmail.com. And we are also now on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash hauntedre. We would love and appreciate your support. Yes, help us pay for this audio equipment. And also, Casey and I started recording recording Fireside Chats, which are little mini, mini episodes, mini ghost stories. So check it out. Have a great day. Goodbye. Be the light.